Joseph and Mary were, in a sense, prepared. They were ready. They were ready in ways that meant that God could come and tell them what they were to do. They were not ready for the full implications of that. One wonders that if they had known where God was taking them, if they'd gone on that journey in the first place. But Joseph and Mary were ready. Joseph was prepared for a bride to enter his family's house. As was the custom, Joseph probably spent at least up to a number of months before that, but he had an entire year, as the custom was, during that betrothal, during that engagement period, to prepare another room onto the side of his father's house. And even though he didn't know at the time that his bride was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and he was likely confused as to his year of preparation being shortened a few months and and why that was the case. Apparently, Joseph was prepared to deal with the circumstances that came with the situation. Though we don't have much backstory about Joseph and we don't know a whole lot from Scripture about his life leading up to this time, what we do know is that he was prepared because we know that God works best in the lives of families and churches and people who prepare for His coming. Mary was prepared in her own way, prepared to to bear a child. And even though she didn't yet know that that child was to be the very Son of God, the Messiah sent to bring salvation to earth, even though she didn't know all that that meant, apparently she was prepared in her heart to deal with the consequences of the situation and wherever that led. Because even though we don't have the whole backstory on Mary, even though we don't know a whole lot about her until this point, what we do know from Scripture in this story is that God works best in the lives of families and churches and people who are preparing for His coming. So think about this for just a second with me. Though we don't have much in the way of the backstory of their lives, we don't know a whole lot about their growing up years and what led to this point. And even though they didn't know everything that was meant, by the journey of being parents to the Son of God, they were prepared in here, in their hearts, ready to receive the King. And we know they were ready, not because they knew everything that was going to happen, but because God used them for a special task. And God works best in the lives of families and people and churches who prepare for His coming. It is said about grandmas that grandmas never run out of hugs nor cookies. And I always kind of felt that way about a friend of mine whose 
Mom would come down after we'd be playing for about 20 minutes at his house. We'd be playing for about 20 to 30 minutes. And, and every time we were there, she would walk down to the basement and bring us a big, huge plate of brownies. To this day, I have these romantic memories of her bringing brownies while we were playing in the basement. Because she was prepared for company. There was a time in this country, not too long ago, some of you remember these days, when you could walk right up to someone's house, anybody's house just about, knock on the door, and actually be invited in. I know that sounds crazy nowadays, but there was a time when that was the case. And when you were invited in, it was always for some milk and cookies, or if it was the summertime, there would be lemonade ready in the fridge. Some of you remember those days well, and some of us dream of that having happened. Before the days of both parents working and and kids playing organized sports and, and everyone having a car and a phone, before the last few decades, when the American dream sort of morphed into the bloated lifestyle lived on credit that it is now, people actually went into each other's houses to build relationships. It sounds almost fanciful for younger generations today, but that's, that's how it was. You could actually go to somebody's house, be invited in, carry on a conversation in the living room, and in 10 to 15 minutes, mom or grandma would walk in and say, just another 10 minutes until the chocolate chip cookies are done. That was the case because people were ready. Houses were cleaned Lemonade was prepared, cookies or brownie mix was, was readily available, and mom or grandma was ready to do that. The situation was that the house, the family, was prepared for guests before they even knew the guest would be there. And so our question today in this passage and in our lives, in our families, in this church, the question is, are you prepared for this visitor? Is your life oriented in a way that means that you are ready, are readying, and will be ready for the coming of Jesus? Now, it doesn't mean you have to rush home and clean your house in case somebody comes by this week. What we're talking about is preparing our lives, our hearts, our minds for Jesus to speak to our lives through the Holy Spirit, just like he did to Mary and to Joseph. Fortunately, like homes were 50 years ago in America, fortunately, Joseph and Mary were prepared for the coming of Jesus. They didn't know everything it meant. There were lots of things that would be surprises. They didn't have a full conception of all the details at this point, but they knew full well that they had to be ready for the coming of Jesus. Joseph, a simple carpenter, prepared his house for his family. And Mary, a young teenager, was preparing her heart to bear a child. And so, so let me ask you this question today. In a, in a busy, busy world like we live in, where there are many, many distractions for us, where we grow up in a culture that loves sports like a religion, 
and we spend lots of time and energy chauffeuring our kids all over creation, and, and we have distractions of buying things with money we don't actually have, and that kind of pressure in the world. In a busy world like we live in today, for what are we preparing ourselves? For what, in a world like this, as we're living it now, do we become ready? Do our lives, do the lives of our children, do the lives of our family and our churches, are they becoming ready for the coming of a holy God into our hearts? Not just at Christmas 2,000 years ago, but now and going from here. Is having a heart a home in your own body that is ready for the coming of Jesus Christ? Is that what your life is about? Because the Scriptures are clear on this. Isaiah says in chapter 40, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So is having a heart with a smooth path for God to enter your life, is that the thing for which you are preparing. Thankfully for us, as we read today, in God's providence, humble Mary was ready. You may think I'm crazy, but an angel appeared to me and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. As you can imagine, I was greatly troubled at this saying, and I tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. But the angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Once I could gather myself together, I looked at Gabriel and said, How will this be, since I am a virgin? He answered me by saying, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. And then he said something to me that forever changed me. He said, Nothing is impossible with God. All my life, I have gone to synagogue, and I have heard the stories about the Messiah, the promised one that will set our people free and restore our great nation. And although I was afraid of what would happen to me, I looked at Gabriel and said, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then he disappeared. I am left to tell my parents and Joseph, but they will have to wait. First, I'm headed to the hill country of Judea. I must see Elizabeth. You have a Bible handy, and I hope you do. I invite you to turn to Luke, the first chapter, where we'll be spending time from verses 26 through 38 mostly, but also those verses after that. We're going to look first at that section of verses from 26 to 38 and uh, make some observations from the text uh, that speak about this issue of preparation for the coming king. In this section where we are today, Luke moves from announcing the birth of John the Baptist 
to announcing the birth of Jesus. And the main thing we want to notice here, as we've mentioned, is that God works best in the lives of those who prepare for His coming. Notice I didn't say are prepared, but those who prepare. It's an ongoing kind of activity in our lives. It's an ongoing activity by which our hearts are continually softened, by which our lives are humbled to hearing from God through His Spirit. Just like, just like Mary and Joseph, that their hearts were prepared. They were soft and ready to hear from God. There's a direct relationship for us between our readiness to hear from Christ and how He uses us. And we see that in these lives. Luke 1, 26-38. starts out in that verse there, in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. In the sixth month means of Mary's pregnancy. We know this from verse 24, where it speaks of the fifth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy with John. And so here, Luke skillfully sort of continues the narrative in verse 26, And he says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, now this angel Gabriel was the same angel who told Zechariah just a little bit ago in this passage, who told Zechariah and Elizabeth, who were barren, that they would have John the Baptist as their son. It's the same angel who appeared to Daniel in the Old Testament and brought assurance to Daniel as an answer to Daniel's prayer for insight into God. So this is the famous, everybody knows who it is, Angel Gabriel. And his job description here for who he is as an angel is already given to us in verse 19 in this chapter. It's where Gabriel says, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. How would you like that for a job? To stand in the presence of holy God. And I am sent, he says, to speak to you and bring you this good news. You see, he knows his job. He knows that he comes from a long line of people sent from God to be heralds of good news. Remember, we talked about that with John the Baptist last week and Isaiah the week before. They clearly knew who they were and why they were sent. So we go from the Old Testament, Isaiah, to the New Testament, John the Baptist. Here we are to even an angel, Gabriel, who clearly understands what his role is to be a herald of good news. He was prepared. And so he says, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. And so he he says to this version, just a second, he says, you are going to bear the Son of God. Now, Nazareth is a a small, tiny little city, uh, probably no more than about 2,000 inhabitants at the most. So, So here's this young teenage girl no more than 12, 13 perhaps, being uh, betrothed, engaged to her uh, future husband, Joseph. And this angel, Gabriel, who you've heard about your whole life, who you know has been sent by God at very special times because she knows the Scriptures. We see that later on in this passage. She knows that the angel, Gabriel, has only been sent for special times. And so here he is appearing to this Uh, young teenage girl. Verse 27, she was a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. 
Betrothed is just a fancy term that means engaged. And, and these engagements were binding. Once you were betrothed to your future spouse, you had about a year of preparation before the actual wedding took place. And it took a legal divorce to annul that, uh, that betrothal, to annul that engagement. So once you were engaged, you were legally bound to that person. Joseph, it says, was of the lineage of David. Luke wants us to know that this Joseph is in the line of those from whom would come the anointed one, the Messiah, just as it was promised. So it says the virgin's name was Mary. Luke is wanting to be clear that Mary had no uh, relations with Joseph yet. This is the second time he talks about her as a virgin. There will be a third time later on. And so, so this is part of this preparation picture. What is conceived in Mary, a holy child, doesn't just happen. It's something that takes an act of God. Conceived in her her by his intervention in her life. Verse 28, it says, He came to her, that's Gabriel, who came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. That word favored there is the word grace. O graced one. You see, you see, the favor from Mary comes from God's having chosen her to do His work. She is obviously ready in some sense for that work. She's obviously a, a pure-hearted woman who wants to follow God's leading wherever it goes. And God works best in the lives of people like that. But notice that the favor comes from God's choice of her because of her uh, humility. The favor from God is something that is His assignment to her. The idea is that she has found favor with Him, not necessarily because there's something inherent in her, And yet at the same time, she's someone through whom God can work and work well because he knows her heart and and he knows she's ready. Verse 34, it says, Mary said to the angel, I'm sorry, verse, uh, verse 31, jumping ahead there. Verse 31, it says, Behold, this is the angel speaking to her. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Uh, This simple girl is, of course, kind of worried and terrified that the angel Gabriel shows up. And so she, she says, she, uh, what, what are you talking about, basically? Uh, she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be in 29. And apparently she was afraid because the angel said, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. There's that grace word again. And so verse 31, behold, this is the angel speaking, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Verse 32, He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. The angel Gabriel sort of smushes together a bunch of uh, Old Testament verbiage about who God is uh, and and some names and, and applies them to the Messiah. So Mary, verse 34 responds to the angel, how will this be (laughs) since I am a virgin? 
Literally, this reads, how will this be since I know no man? Mary is saying, hello, am I missing something about this here, Gabriel? And in effect, the angel says, yep, you are. This is how it works. Verse 35, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. In the text here, it's important to to note that that there are no uh, sexual overtones to what is going on here. This word uh, overshadow is used in the Old Testament to describe God's presence in the sanctuary. And even in the New Testament, during the transfiguration, when Jesus goes up into the clouds in front of the apostle, uh, when Jesus is changed at the end of his earthly ministry, It describes the presence of God that overshadowed Jesus and the apostles there. So while it was certainly not a a sexual kind of experience, as some people uh, wrongly think it was, it was a conscious and felt experience by Mary that because obviously she had a baby inside her, she also sensed that the Holy Spirit was with her. The presence of God was now upon her in a new way that meant her life would never be the same. And you don't have the presence of the Holy Spirit come upon you like that and not know it. It says, verse 36, Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And then it says, For nothing is impossible with God. Gabriel sort of sums up this whole passage and says, Whatever your conceptions are, Whatever you have been prepared for, whatever you haven't been prepared for, nothing is impossible with God. And so Mary, verse 38, she responded appropriately with humility to accept what God is asking her to do. It says this, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Remember maybe Abraham's wife, Sarah, who laughed at the idea that God would bring a son in her old age. In this very chapter, Zechariah doubted when the angel Gabriel told him personally he would bear a son. But Mary, who was ready in her heart to do whatever God said, submitted in humble service to her Lord. A young, unmarried girl who became pregnant in a day when being pregnant without a husband meant you risked disaster. Humbly submitted to everything God was asking her to do. Unless the father of the child in that day would agree to marry her, she would probably have remained unmarried her whole life. If her father rejected her, which was an option for him, she could have been forced into begging or worse to earn a living. But Mary took that risk. She was ready for risk. 
She risked losing Joseph, her family, and her reputation. And with a story of being, being pregnant by the Holy Spirit, she risked being ostracized and considered crazy for an explanation like that. When everybody else on the surface would have scoffed at the idea of the Son of God coming to earth in this kind of way, Mary says, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary said, I've been prepared for this now. I don't know everything, but bring it on. If it means that's what you're calling me to do. Can you say with Mary, I am the servant of the Lord? Not a servant of yourself. Not a servant of the world's expectations. Nor of your family's name or reputation. Or anything else that distracts from knowing and loving God. Can you say with power and clarity, like Mary, I am the servant of the Lord? Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, her relative. We'll talk more about her next week. But Elizabeth knows that Mary is prepared. She sees that she's ready. Verse 45, Elizabeth says, Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. In other words, blessed is Mary Because she believed. She had faith. She had a heart that had already decided to follow wherever God led. And she believed that there would actually be a fulfillment of what was told her. You see, friends, Mary is a model for those who experience the birth of the Savior in their lives. And everything that that means, Mary is a model for those who experience the birth of the Savior in their lives. And and so now Mary, who was full of the Holy Spirit, who was full of favor and grace from God, who experienced the birth of the Savior in her womb and in her heart, responded in the only way that makes sense when the Holy Spirit calls you to follow God. Listen to her beautiful song of praise beginning in verse 46. She responds by by singing a hymn, a song. She says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name. And His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to His offspring forever. Mary is our pattern for awaiting for and responding to the coming of Christ 2,000 years ago, today, and going from here. 
whether it be His coming into our lives for the first time, whether it be His coming into our lives in some new way that we have never seen before, or whether it be His return to take His followers to eternity with Him. So I ask you the question again, for what has your life been preparing you? For what have you been preparing your family, your kids, your spouse, those who don't yet have relationship with God? Have you been preparing yourself, as many of us do, as a way to keep away the hurts and the pains and the hard stuff of life? Have you been preparing to defend yourself if found in a circumstance that pushes you to an uncomfortable place? Is that what your life has been preparing you for? Preparing to defend yourself physically, emotionally, if found in a place that pushes you to discomfort? Have you been preparing to acquire enough financial security so that you are ready to weather any earthly storm? Have you been preparing to know enough to have answers? Have you been preparing to dull your life's pains with poor substitutes like lust or alcohol or drugs? Poor substitutes for the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life? Have you been preparing your kids to get enough education to get a good job, to defend themselves emotionally and physically and politically so that they remain safe? Is that the goal? Is that for which we are called to prepare ourselves and our kids? Are you more worried that your kid will be well-liked at school or church than whether or not they have a soft heart that is ready to receive Jesus. Have you, as it turns out, been preparing for things of temporary value? Or have we been preparing to know and love Jesus Christ? So that with Mary, we can respond in humble obedience to say, I am the servant of the Lord. What if we were people? What if this church, what if our families, what if our relationships were marked by preparation for the coming of Christ? What if the activity of our lives were about preparing for God to show up? What if the activity of our families was about shepherding children to know and love the God who made them? What if the activity of this church was laser-focused on moving and keeping people in a context where spiritual growth occurs? What if, what if we prepared our minds by reading the Word of God like it mattered? Like we had a hard time putting it down instead of a hard time picking it up. What if we prepared our hearts by praying for God to unleash His strength and power in our lives? Like He did for Mary and for Joseph and for John the Baptist and Isaiah.
and all throughout history and in the scriptures who from the long line of people before us were ready for the coming of Jesus. What would God do in your life, in our families, in this church if our activity was about preparation for the coming of Jesus? Let's pray.